This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And a pleasure to be joined right now by John Crowley, who's executive chairman of uh, Amicus Therapeutics. John, a pleasure, pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks very much. Yeah, of course, Dan. Thanks for having me. We, we hear so much that healthcare is, is changing fast, the landscape of, of uh, this entire sector right now. Are you seeing that play out a lot in biotech as well? Yeah, you're seeing it in biotech for sure. And what's really exciting is after all these years of trial and error, we're tr- starting to see many, many more successes than we had traditionally had before. You take our world of rare genetic medicine where there are you know more than 7,000 known rare diseases, and traditionally very, very few have had any treatments or cures, we're starting to see treatments, uh, like in the field of gene editing, for instancing, other really cutting-edge genetic medicine therapies starting to work in people living with these diseases. It brings an enormous amount of hope. You know, we're seeing in the field in, in very, you know, more common diseases, plagues like Alzheimer's, you're seeing successes in approved medicines. You know, we've never had that before. We're going to see many more of those ahead. So science and medicine is really on the dawn of this golden age. Um, And what we're trying to figure out is, you know, from regulatory science and regulators to how do we pay for this, the whole ecosystem, that's got to catch up the framework for how do we ensure not only that we have great medicines, but that everybody in need has access. So since we are a business show, let me bring in the business side for here for a moment and, and talk about, you know, the support that uh, a lot of uh, companies like yours get from venture capital and private equity and the role that that is playing right now uh, in, in support of the work that you're doing. Yeah, of course, it's, it's an incredibly important part of, you know, what I'll call this virtuous circle that drives innovation, drives the creation of newer and better medicines. You know, almost every great biotech company started the same way. It started with a scientist or a handful of scientists, a couple of entrepreneurs, and a few venture capitalists who wanted to back what was an incredibly early and high-risk idea. Um, So, you know, you look at Amicus, you know, we were founded um, in 2005, and for several years, we were funded completely by venture capitalists before we became a public company, and now we're a commercial global biotech company with a three and a half billion dollar market cap. So that's not our source of capital. But for, you know, thousands of emerging companies in the United States and around the world, it's venture capital and risk taking uh, the risk taking capital that's driving that. Absolutely. What was it that got you first interested in being in biotech? Well, you know, for us, it was a very personal reason. It was um, actually exactly 25 years ago when we learned that our then 15-month-old daughter, Megan, had this rare form of muscular dystrophy known as Pompeii disease. And it was, you know, it was really surprising, Dan. At, at that point, other than not walking, Megan was seemingly healthy. And we were told that, you know, Megan would very quickly need a feeding tube, a ventilator to breathe, a wheelchair, and she'd only live to be a couple of years old. And we were told on the day of her diagnosis that our then seven-day-old son, Patrick, had only a 25% chance uh, or had a 25% chance of having the disease. And turns out he also had Pompeii. So for me, it was finding all the science that we could and eventually realizing that it was a race against time as much as it was against nature. And so for me, I, I, I had, you know, had a business degree, an MBA, and 
I had been in, in a, at Bristol Myers for two years and then met a brilliant researcher and with a home equity loan on our house and some cash advances on our credit cards. We, we didn't start with venture capital back then. We yeah, yeah. got to do it, but um, we started a small company that thankfully was successful and, and was acquired by uh, Genzyme, which at the time was the world's largest rare disease focused biotech. Uh, and that led to a treatment that, that saved our children's lives and, and the lives of many others. How has that experience in your life kind of helped to form your thought process about what you would like Amicus to be in terms of kind of focusing on a lot of these rare diseases that maybe do not get the, the publicity that others do? I think probably um, maybe, maybe two things, Dan. One was the first realizing the vastness of the unmet need that, you know, again, there are 7,000 known rare diseases, which impact about one in 10 people around the world. So you're talking about more than a half a billion people who live with a rare disease, most of them children, and many of them very severe and fatal. So for the second company, we wanted to create something enduring, something lasting, that it would be a lifelong journey to create as many medicines, treatments, realizing that we were very unlikely to begin with cures, but we'd you know have treatments that extend and enhance life and provide more years and quality of life, but also give innovators like us a chance to go back to the drawing board and to come up with something newer and better. I think the second lesson, though, was also the incredible patient focus that you have to have in biotechnology. So with this, our next company with Amicus in 2005, even in selecting the name, you know, we chose Amicus, the Latin word for friend. We wanted to be the most patient-focused, patient-friendly company in all of biotechnology. And if we did that, we thought it would we, we'd give great purpose to everybody who'd be a part of our company and you know, you know incredibly motivating, of course, but it, it, beyond the purpose, it would also give us a, a strategic advantage in business. And that would mean that we could have insights that would lead to better innovations, better medicines, and that we'd get them to people faster and we'd get them to everybody in need. And you know, at Amicus, what I've always done is to thankfully most everybody's not in, in our position of having children with, with rare diseases, with life-threatening disorders. But I do ask everybody at Amicus to think every decision, every business decision you make, you know, where are you going to locate a facility? Who are you going to hire? How or when are you going to stop or start a program? To think, think like a patient. Think like somebody living with a disease or the parent of somebody. And that mindset is what pervades the company. It's a a very unique part of being an entrepreneur at, at Amicus. It's what we call being a passionate entrepreneur. So what is it that in terms of the development of, of the different types of therapies and, uh, and and drugs that you try and bring forward out of the biotech space, what is seemingly having the greatest impact right now? I would imagine, I mean, a lot of people talk about how tech has played a significant role in, in healthcare in general. Uh, what is it that you see is, is, is driving the greatest impact right now? You know, I think the greatest impact is the, the ability to marshal great science coming out of universities. And that's another, that's a great strategic advantage that we have here in the United States in particular. And that's the great research universities that we have, the National Institutes of Health. Again, oftentimes the research in universities funded by NIH grants and initiatives, private foundations, philanthropy, 
And what we have unique in biotechnology in the United States is the ability to take the best and brightest of those ideas. And it, I'm talking about thousands and thousands of ideas each year mm-hmm. and to, to get them at it, you know, put you know, significant intellectual property protection, which is going to be the foundation of the capital that needs to come in and then to harness capital. And, you know, very, very rarely is it, you know, somebody taking a home equity loan like we did, yeah. but it's, you know, it's it, sometimes it's family and friends and angel rounds and that early seed capital that gives you just a glimmer of hope beyond what was done in the university, that this may actually be a, a, a treatment and really cutting edge stuff. So again, it's this virtuous circle, but at the core of it is the patient. And the first step almost always is great academic university research. And then if you're really lucky, the creation of a new company. And we, we do that hundreds of times a year in biotechnology. And that's really kind of the magic of biotech. You, you talk about the importance of the patient, but I think there's also the importance of patients in general, because this is a process. It, it you know, in many cases, this is yes. not happening overnight. Uh, you know, despite what we saw play out with the pandemic and the rollout, the quicker rollout of the, uh, the vaccines, uh, this is a process that takes a while. It does, you know, two, two things I've always learned in biotechnology in my 20 plus years here, Dan. Uh, one is that it's always going to take longer than you ever think. And two, that it's always going to cost more money than you ever think. You know, I kind of look back at our original business plans at Amicus and kind of chuckle that, you know, where we thought we'd be and when we thought we'd be there. Uh, But yeah, it takes patience, patience from everybody. Unfortunately, that means patience from people living with these diseases in their families. And that's part of what we need to change. You know, you brought up COVID and that's a great example. What we did was extraordinary. You know, biotechnology saved the world in the case of COVID. And we knew we'd get there at some point with a vaccine. We never thought we could do it as fast as we did. And we never thought we can get it to billions of people the way we did. And that's the mindset we need to take into drug development for every disease, common and rare, that time is of the essence. Time is the enemy as much as the disease. Um, And so taking some of the learnings from COVID, you know, how we do things in parallel, smart risk-taking, how we work hand in hand with regulators, frequent dialogue, respecting their independence and their role, but it's got to be a collaboration. And, uh, you know, look, sometimes that model is threatened and that needs to change. John, great to have you with us today. Thanks very much for your time. All the best. Yeah, Dan, thank you. We really are in a golden age of medicine and I'm excited for biotech in the years ahead. Thank you. John Crowley, who's executive chairman of Amicus Therapeutics. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.